0: There can be no greater honour than to have been elected Uktron Nahiran, President of Ireland. Michael D. Higgins is one of Ireland's most popular presidents. He's this tiny, white-haired, 77-year-old man, a former politician and a poet. In 2017, Michael D, or Miggledy, as he is affectionately known, became a character in a children's book called The President's Glasses by Peter
1: Donnelly. Kind of loosely based it on Michael D. Higgins, even though I don't mention him in a book, it's kind of obvious who it is. We Irish are a creative, resourceful, talented
0: and warm people. On today's show, Peter shares the story of how he made that book during one of the most difficult times in his life. I'm Liam Garrity. It's time to meet. Your maker. Oh, I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Uh, Meet your maker. Peter Donnelly has had many creative careers. He started out working in Sullivan Bluth Studios, making films like The Land Before Time and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Then he left all that to start a career in illustration, which he's been doing for the past 20 years. Last year, though, he took the plunge, wrote and illustrated his first children's book.
1: Without any of those previous jobs, you know, they they all basically pointed to me doing this and I, I learned something from every one of them even though I might got you know really tired of them at the end of the day there was a time when it was there was a honeymoon period with them where i learned so much each of them were so valuable and i don't think i could have produced the book i produced last year with the confidence of doing it without without that journey, I think.
0: Up until that point, Peter had only ever illustrated children's books written by other people.
1: I was beginning to get children's book illustration work. For, you know, I wasn't writing them, but I was beginning to get work from abroad as well, for Osborne in the UK. So I was beginning to build up, you know, a good portfolio of books that I illustrated. But I kind of said, look, this this is great, but I, I was kind of thinking financially, you know, if I if I to make a living at this, what I, what I don't need is a book publisher coming to me and just paying me a flat fee, doing a book, even if it's a good fee. And then if the book does really, really well, I don't see anything else on that. So I said, the only way is to get into the royalty situation. And the best way to do that is probably write my own books as well, where I'm not sharing the royalties with an author.
0: And it's not like Peter had any shortage of ideas.
1: I'd always played around with ideas and little stories, but because I had to work, basically, I couldn't dedicate the time to develop it. And it, it was like... I don't know about anybody else but the way I work is if I have a good idea but if I let it hang around too long I lose interest in it and it just it becomes boring and horrible to me and it could have been a good idea so what was happening was because I was busy you know working as an illustrator that I'd create these ideas kind of half finish them and say I'll come back to them and leave them too long and never really kind of develop them The world is full of hard look cases of people illustrating other people's books and the illustrator's forgotten like, and, and the author's remembered. I was invited to speak at a book festival by a friend of mine, Neve Sharkey, just to speak about being an illustrator. It was in Waterford. I went down and it was for a weekend and I was on a panel and I just got so inspired that weekend. I really, really did like just meeting other authors and illustrators that I said right I just, I, it was just one of those periods that you get like a, these little golden moments I came back a story came to me very quickly I said right I'm not going to do any other work for the next two weeks and I'm just going to see can I get this in some sort of kind of shape first not just the beginning and a nice middle try and get an ending within two weeks I've, I'd written this book and I had it roughly sketched out I said right okay I'm just going to send I've done a couple of edits on it I'm going to send this out because if I don't send this out to anybody now, I know in a month's time I'm going to think it's a shit idea. So I decided, right, I'm going to send it to two Irish publishers first. I sent it out. And usually, you you know, if you're lucky, you might hear back in three months that they liked it or didn't like it. And I got a phone call the following week off both of them to say they wanted to publish it. That book became The President's Glasses. It's a children's picture book for about five to six-year-olds. It's kind of a caper across Dublin. I was very influenced by an illustrator called Miroslav Sasek, who done a lot of these travel books in the 60s. Beautiful illustrations. And I I kind of wanted to do something about Dublin, but I wanted it to be story-based, where his were, were kind of more travel books. So I had this idea of... Wouldn't it be beautiful to illustrate Dublin in this in this style that I had? And Dublin was, you know, was changing by the week almost. So it was becoming a different-looking city. And I kind of wanted to capture some of the the older places in it, like you know, before you know, we had big glass buildings <laughs> behind them. That in itself wasn't enough. So I needed a kind of a, a heart and soul, you know. I needed a character. And I said, "Hey, why not introduce a character that everybody knows already?"
0: President Higgins, we would be honoured if you would now address us.
1: Kind of loosely based it on Michael D. Higgins, even though I don't mention him in a book. It's kind of obvious who it is. Basically, about he goes to sign this document in Dublin Castle and he forgets his glasses. He's not going to be able to see me In this book, he doesn't have good eyesight. That's not about the real president. <laughs> his wife, who's a very clever woman, she summons the presidential pigeon. And she said, look, your job is to deliver these glasses to the president because there's no way he's going to be able to sign this book without the glasses. So he's got to fly to Dublin Castle before the president gets to sign it and deliver the glasses so really it's about a caper it's about his journey really the president really kind of bookends you know the book itself pardon the pun but um the pigeon has to fly over dublin and his it's his adventures and it was around the time of gay married referendum and a lot of things being signed and i kind of said look i'm going to do this story about you know he has to sign this very important document i don't say what it is the book look is going to look very retro but the things that happen in it are very modern so and you know the that's where I leave the page open for people to think, what is about? What is he signing? And et cetera, et cetera. I grew up in North North Dublin, close enough to the city. And, you know, by the age of, I was used to being brought into town. And by, by a certain age, when I was allowed going to town, I, you know, I was very familiar with Dublin, where now I live in North County, Dublin. And, you know, I have a daughter who, you know, she's 15 now. She wouldn't have had that experience. And I was also very aware that, you know, a lot of kids are not familiar a lot, especially a lot of kids from Dublin are not familiar with Dublin because a lot of people are living on the commuter Belt now. They don't have time to go into Dublin. So I thought it would be nice, it would be a nice educational book and also kind of nostalgic for the parents that don't live in Dublin anymore to kind of bring Dublin up in conversation with the kids. So Peter got a publishing contract and set about creating the book. So it was about halfway through my finishing the book, I suppose. And, um, I wasn't feeling well, I was, you know, everything was going great work was, you know, I, I was finally, you know, I was doing my own children's book and, you know, like, I think, you know, 5% of books get made, 95% of submissions don't get made, so to, like, I had this opportunity, like, uh, I'd arrived, that's what I felt like. I was working hard on it and uh, I was doing a bit of hiking at the time as well, I was kind of looking after myself, but I started getting really tired and, um, I don't know. I just, I just felt like I thought I was getting the flu or something like that. But I noticed I was getting more tired. I was getting these night sweats and things like that. And next, to my glands were swollen. I was going, God, I must be coming down. Maybe, maybe because I, I was kind of pushing myself too hard working on the book. So I went to the doctor, and uh, they said, "I oh, will just give you a couple of blood tests," you know, and this just grand, you know. So uh, don't worry too much about it. So. I went from going to the GP, say, one day, and two weeks later, I was in a cancer ward in Bowman Hospital. I had been diagnosed with lymphoma cancer, which was a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had a, slow grow- a very slow-growing cancer, which had been growing all along, like, you know, from, say, I don't know, a year or two previous. But it had just basically... Come to its head around that time, about halfway through the book, and God, I was was devastated. Like I didn't know what to do. I was kind of like, it was a bit surreal because I was on this high work-wise, and then to get this other news in, and like, you know, how how do you juggle those two things? You know, one day my mind was on the cancer, next day my mind was on the book. You know, this was my golden chance. Of everything creatively had led up to this write my own book and get my book out, and then this happens, like, you know. The type of cancer I got was, um, it's not curable, but it's treatable. But it's a type of cancer that, that tends to come back, and it could come back in another six years, but, you know, they treat it again. If you're healthy enough, you'll get through it. Well, I went through the ringer with the, with the cancer because, you know, I went through you know, all the stories that you hear, you know. i I done, a, I think, six hard sessions of chemotherapy towards the end of the summer of 2017 all my hair fell out all the usual things that you know you, you felt sick and things like that but i still had this deadline with this book now when i say deadline like it wasn't my publishers were very understanding but i felt like you know i want to finish this book you know and i kind of felt like this this could be the last thing i ever get to create and um the, the thoughts of that like that 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 was horrific like you know what I mean and it was probably a selfish way of think and I suppose because obviously I had a wife and I had a child which obviously come before work but on a personal level I was kind of going every day when I drew that book I was kind of going god this this could be the last spread I, I ever do of anything you know so I wanted to make sure that you know what you know I really want to do a great job on this I really really want to kind of push myself on it and I really want to finish it but In a kind of weird way, it kind of helped me deal with the cancer because it motivated me. It took the cancer out of my mind a lot and I was focused on the book. I think I was very lucky like that. I I think as creatives, I think we're very fortunate in in darker times, I suppose. And as creatives, we're we're quite prone to darker times, not not necessarily physically. Like, you know, it's, it's good to be able to have the ability to create something because I think it takes your mind off things. So I worked away on the book and and I went through, as I say, I went through the ringer with the cancer. I think in November 2017, the book had come out, was finally released, but think two weeks, I think two weeks prior to the book being released, I got a call from my doctor to come into the clinic and I went, oh, what's the news here now? And I was in remission. The cancer had cleared up and then the book was released. (laughs) was just an amazing and it was a very emotional end to a very emotional journey two journeys really like you know that that kind of ended at the same time like and ended well at the same time and it was it, it was amazing like it changed it changed me so much it changed the way I approach work definitely but it changed it changed me completely as a person like you know and um to this day i'm working on my second book and i'm you know i'm still in remission um, i'm healthy i feel healthy but it's amazing going through something like that, you know, when I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that came through it. So I was very lucky having that book or, or that personal project or whatever you want to call it. I think I genuinely believe that was a big part of me surviving cancer, like, you know, because I think there's a lot of there's a whole mental state that goes with it. Like, you know, so, yeah, it was amazing. It was a mad experience, but it was an amazing experience as well. Like, you know, if I can say that, if that makes sense. Did the president himself ever get wind well, of the book? This When the book came out, he was in Australia. Now, obviously, the publisher sent him a copy. He was the first person to get a copy. <laughs> the book is is kind of a, a very affectionate towards him because, you know, I'm a big admirer of him, as are a lot of people, a lot of kids. So, and I don't name him in it. So, but we know it's him. We know it's him. I'd no fear. He's a good supporter of the arts. So, he, should like, say, hey, someone's put me in a book because, you know, it treats him very nicely. and. But I believe that eventually he was in Dubray books. One of the booksellers <laughs> stuck it in front of him and said, hey, have you seen this, Mr. President? And he goes, oh, look at this, the president's glasses. And he went to him um, and the girl said to him, yeah, it's a really good book. It's really popular. The kids love it at the moment. And he went, well, he said, if I find my glasses at the end of it, I'm happy with it. So, <laughs> I, you know, as only he could say. So I take that as a thumbs up. So, he, yeah, he's definitely seen the cover.
0: Peter has written a sequel to The President's Glasses called The President's Cat, which is out on September 7th. Meet Your Maker is produced and hosted by me, Liam Garrity. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. You know, these past few weeks, I've been getting really lovely tweets from people who've just discovered the show and have binge-listened to all of the episodes. And it reminds me how powerful word of mouth is for makers and meet your maker. So if you know someone who you think might like the show, why not recommend it to them or give it a shout out on your social media or review the show on iTunes or some other podcast trope. See you next time.